0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process
1: in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren. And today we've got Mr. David Martino. On the on the co-host seat <laughs> yeah, today,
2: trying to decide what name to use.
1: Yeah, I was going to say Rose Martino, and I thought, well, because it's very serial killer, and <laughs> um, because you got that new, uh, you are in that new magazine coming out. It's out today, right? The Horror zine. Yeah, the Horror Zine's book of werewolf stories is out today. Yeah,
2: and,
1: and you've got uh, a werewolf available. story in there, so
2: that's correct.
1: It's strange that you write about werewolves so much, and you don't even have a dog. I know, I have a cat. You have a cat. Should
2: be running about where cats.
1: Yeah, you know, a cat woman, vampires. I, know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Something just... In... <laughs> but that's good. So that will be, you know, um, people are going to be pounding down your door wanting your autograph. That's right. They will. <laughs> <laughs> well, a horror zine, that's, you know, it's popular. It is. You know, so you can have a lot of people reading, a lot of pressure. That's right. I'm <laughs> my, my palms are sweaty. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, Another day. Well, okay, uh, let's jump right in. We've got a guest waiting, and um, she's written some really interesting books here, and um, looks like a mystery writer. The newest book uh, is Argyles and Arsenic, uh, so she likes to poison people. So, <laughs> Molly McRae, thank you for being on the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Al.
1: Well, so, Molly, uh, you write mysteries, and um, I, I, I wonder, so, mysteries, where did you get the bug for mysteries? Do you, do you read certain mysteries? Have you for years? Like, where, where does that come from?
0: I started reading mysteries um, when I should have been studying for exams when I was in college. Someone said, well, <laughs> you know, rather than study for that, why don't you read this Agatha Christie? And that sort of did it for me. I've been uh, reading mysteries and thinking, yeah, I could do that. I think I could do that since then. And it turns out I could.
1: Whenever someone says that to me, I always kind of wonder, well, I can do that. Um, that's, that's, it scares me even to this <laughs> day. And I've got 26 books out or something. And, and I'm still scared every time I write because I think I can't write. Oh, absolutely.
0: I, you know, I think I can, but as soon as I sit down to write a book, it's like, I don't know how to write a book. What makes me think I know how to do I don't even know how to start a, a sentence or a paragraph.
1: Oh, well, it's crazy. In a way, um, what 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 do you think was the drive for that for you, other than, well, I know I, I can write a book like this, or I could do this. Was there something that you really wanted to accomplish with writing? I have
0: always, since, since I was a, a kid you know, um, and books were read to me before I could read. It just was something I was drawn to. When my uh, brother Andy read One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish to me when it first came out, I just thought, wow, this is great stuff. I would like to do that. And um, so I, I, you know, I wrote little things, dumb things, but all throughout. And then hmm, I I think it's wanting to... A lot of it is wanting to see a book on a shelf with my name on it, but that wasn't the, that wasn't really the impetus. It's just like, I just, I want to do this. Books are great things. I like everything about them and writing them is part of that.
1: When did it start for you as in getting published? How how long have you been writing um, professionally now?
0: Out with short stories um, because I, I had two small children at home and I thought, well, you know, they're, they're shorter, so that should be easier, and they take less pencil. <laughs> um, so, and I set myself some goals. I, I decided I would go for the big letdowns first, and this was back when there weren't so many online options. There was Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine, Ellery Queen Mystery Magazine, and not much else for mysteries. That That, that didn't pay anyway, and I thought I might as well see if I can actually get paid. So I wrote a story and I sent it in and it got rejected. And I did that. They accepted the, about the fourth, it's either the fourth or the fifth story that I sent in. And that was just amazing to me. And that was back in 1989. So that was a while ago. And then I worked my way up from there. I thought, if I can So, three, three short stories. Then I will join Sisters in Crime or Mystery Writers of America, I guess, at that point. I'm not even sure Sisters in Crime existed at that point, but I set myself these little goals and then decided um, at some point I'll try a book. So then I tried a book and I put that in a drawer because it, it didn't, I tried for an agent at that point. That was again in the, in the nineties and put it in a drawer and other things happen. Life happens. But I kept going back to it.
2: Wow. You know, uh, you you know, you mentioned Alfred Hitchcock's mystery magazine and it's kind of amazing that, you know, you got in, uh, you got, you got a story published uh, like after your fourth try. I've tried with, with Alfred Hitchcock as top mystery magazine for those who don't know. And, um, you know, I, I tried to get accepted, but no cigar yet. Right? <laughs> but uh, I was just—I was just wondering. All things being equal, would you rather write short fiction or long fiction? Or are you a natural? Uh, you know, do you consider yourself a natural short story writer or um, a novelist? Or, or is it both?
0: It might be both. I did get about seven stories into Hitchcock, and then because I had contracts for books, I haven't—I haven't had time to write a short story. Mm. They take a long time you know, to do it well, it it takes, I'm a slow writer. I I really love short stories. I, I love that small, I just like small things. So, um, I think if, if it came down to it, if I never got another book contract, I'd be happy writing short stories, too, because they're just nice and compact. I think one of the reasons that first story finally went, that why they took it, um, well, I'm not really sure, but it was, uh, I had, my, my mother had died, and I had her ashes, because we were going to bury her the next summer, and I had her ashes in the linen closet, and I thought to myself, well, this is just really strange. You know, my mother's in the linen closet, and so the this, this story started out pretty much that way, and uh, I don't know, it, that worked. It was
1: it was interesting. There you go, Dave. They don't even take his emails anymore. So. no, no. <laughs> It just gets sent back. It's like, stop sending us this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Well, this was back when you send it out by paper. You know, you did it. Oh, yeah. You actually put your social security number on it. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Things have changed a little. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, now the new book is part of what you call the Highland Bookshop Mystery Series. So let's talk about what's the premise of, of this mystery series.
0: It's four women, three Americans and a Scotswoman, who are living in Central Illinois, like where I live right now. And two of the women uh, are retirement age. One of the the, the Scotswoman has been living in Central Illinois with her husband, who was a professor. Uh, her parents now back in this little town on the west coast of Scotland are. Aged. They're, you know, they're losing their memories. They're losing their hearing. And she would like to go back. Her husband has since died. Uh, she would like to go back and care for them. Her friend, who is her age, is recently retired, and also recently divorced. And because her husband was such a rat, was able to get a really good alimony. Um, that American woman's daughter is a burned out lawyer, law professor. And her friend is a newspaper woman who sees the handwriting on the masthead. Newspaper jobs are disappearing. They all decide it's time for uh, change in career, change in life. And this little bookshop in Inversgale, Scotland, on the west coast in the Highlands, comes up for sale. And It's a town where Christine, the Scotswoman, grew up, where Janet, the retired librarian and her family used to visit in the summers. And this little bookshop is a gem. It's a going concern because it's a a tourist town. So even, even in the winter, you can make a living there. So they do the research to see if Americans can buy a business and move over there and live and run and I did that research to see if they actually can. And they can. So they, I worked it out that they had the finances. They had the right amount of money in their bank accounts. They could uh, not make a great living, but they could live off of what they could expect to make from this bookshop. And they move over there because why not? It's the Highlands. It's Scotland. And what could possibly go wrong with a scheme like that? And, of course, there's murder. That's, the, that's, that's what happens. They, they trip over bodies Constantly.
1: I've heard that about Scotland.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is the murder capital capital of the u k
1: Well, there you go. I didn't know that, but there you go um yeah so when you when you've written this, this is uh, book five of this uh mm-hmm. mystery series um are you the type of person that sits down ahead of time? Do you kind of know like when you started back in book one, I should say um did you know where this series was going to go and did you have it kind of mapped out and outlined and you you just kind of filling in with the books or is this totally go play as you go type thing?
0: It's more play as I go. Um, Yeah. More, more play as I go. I I know that I would like it to work out that they can actually stay there and make enough of a living. But um, I actually come up with the, the titles often before I come up with the stories because they follow a pattern. And um, so like Argyles and Arsenic, a recognizably Scottish word and then a recognizably nefarious word. So uh, Argyles and Arsenic worked. So then I had to have arrange the story around the idea of Argyles and Arsenic, and that that was fun.
1: Each book does stand alone, but you, you, like someone could pick up book five here and start reading it. If they'd like it, go back to book one but they don't need to have one, two, three, four read before they go to five. Is, is that correct? or?
0: Yes. Yeah. I try to do it that way. Um, I don't repeat verbatim descriptions or exactly why they're there or what's going on, but I try to give enough of the background so that people aren't lost. And I hope that works.
2: Now you also, you owned an independent bookstore. Um, you must be drawing from your your own experiences when you're when you're writing these books.
0: I didn't own it, but I managed it.
2: Oh, okay, um, okay.
0: yeah, uh, yeah, and that was a what a great job that was. It was a small independent bookstore in Johnson City, Tennessee. It was it was a a great job? Loved it, and it was before Amazon existed.
2: Mm.
0: And when Amazon happened, but I'm also, so one of the characters, Janet, the the one of the Americans, the retired divorced woman is a, she's a retired librarian. And although I'm not a MLS degree librarian, I was called a librarian and I worked in the children's department of the public library here for almost 20 years. So I'm drawing mm-hmm. on both those backgrounds.
1: So so where did all the murders come from? Did you guys kill people in the school or at the, at the bookstores? Or is this something we should know about?
0: You know, in, in retail, you often want to. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, I know. I, I've been there and done that, and it's not easy. You know
0: where it comes from, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, you know, but I didn't have any bodies in the back. But, uh, you know, you never know. Um, well, so that's that's interesting. Do you put yourself into one particular character or are you kind of in all the four main characters?
0: Probably more in well, I hear them in my head. They don't talk to me they talk to each other so they're they're all in there so they must all be part of me. but I, I think because the stories are although it's an ensemble cast, they all work together these four amateur sleuths it, their stories are told through Janet's eyes and she's the former librarian so. Yeah, I would guess I am a little bit more invested in her.
1: So, so you say you hear them talking. So does that mean, is that when you're on your schizophrenic medicine or is that when you're off?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an odd experience, that's for sure. When I was writing the shorts for Hitchcock, um, we moved from Tennessee to Illinois, back to Illinois. We hadn't lived in Illinois for Almost 25 years, I think, and then, due to job loss, uh, moved, moved back there, back here, and for the first, oh, four months that we were here, none of my characters talked at all in my head, and I wondered if I would ever be able to write a short story again. Hmm. But uh, then one day they started talking again. That was that was oh thank goodness they're back and. <laughs> Uh, I did sell more stories to Hitchcock after that, so that was nice. But if you ever want to be invisible, move back to a college town as a 45-year-old woman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did that. (laughs) Did you? Yeah. Yeah, that's how how I made it,
2: actually. (laughs) Well, you know, I uh, I hear that's how I kind of experience characters too. I, I hear them in my head, but you know, Al will say I'm crazy, and I am. <laughs> but um, but I'm just wondering: has have you had any characters uh, do anything that uh, surprised you? Have they uh, like rebelled against the plot or anything like that?
0: Um, not rebelled against the plot, but they've done things I didn't expect, which mm. have propelled the plot. In one of my haunted yarn shop books, the main character. Um, after the sheriff's deputy insulted her, her dead grandmother um, just hauled off and just socked him right in the nose. And it's like <laughs> I would never do that myself, but boy, that was a it was a good move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've had them do usual things. I've, yeah, like I'll suddenly find out that one of them has a black belt in something. It's, oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. But.
1: Hmm that's it's, it's an interesting process you know for me i've always um just published um nonfiction. um i've i've never delved in this uh fictional area so it's kind of interesting in a way i guess um i was going to say you have a lot of freedom um to to kind of decide where the story's going to go and how the characters are going to be and what's going to happen but then when I speak to authors like you, you'll kind of almost like say, well, this character did this and it's kind of a surprise to you. So in a way you don't really have control or how does that work?
0: I think I kind of do have control, but they do in, in small ways. It's not rebelling. It's just revealing their nature. They, they, they work within the framework. I do, I do work from an outline. Um. But sometimes the outline, well, the outlines obviously go astray. It's it's more of an organic outline. I'm not a plotter or a pantster, as they say. I, I, I do plot, but I um, or I don't write from the seat of my pants. But my plots, because they change and grow, I'm more of a plantster. I, I plot and pants. It's an organic process. Um, sometimes other. Uh, I have, especially in the Haunted Yarn Shop series, there there were times when I couldn't figure out how I was going to get from a point in the middle to the end. And I sat down and wrote a letter to the main character asking her to please tell me what's going on because I just, I was stuck and I just was spinning my wheels. It was really an awful feeling. And she wrote me back. Which was, you know, it was it was more like um, it was free association writing. It's not the same as writing a story, so it was it was nice. She was just able to, without any structure, just say, well, this and then this and then this and then this, and it was a nice long letter, and it helped. I was able to finish the book.
1: And so when you uh, when you do something like the, when you did the haunted yarn shop mystery series and stuff, um, is this? kind of a um, uh, just a personal experience like do you have some sort of ghost encounters or, or something going on <laughs> as well as no. voices you, and like you know I'm just no. trying to figure this whole thing out here
0: <laughs> Penguin said a Penguin editor said well could you write something like uh, with a ghost and I'm thinking I don't believe in ghosts but yes yes I could so I did and that was that was a lot of fun that ghost she's just another person she just happens to be dead you know that's that she's just another character
1: so you talk to dead people, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. um it's so so alien to me now, in the um in the series, either one of them actually, or anything you write, um, do you have a subtext or some sort of thing that you hope people take away from the book besides the entertainment of it?
0: A little bit, yeah. Yes, I try, I try, especially with the short stories. I've, I always try to have a little bit of a theme. I don't know that I can actually identify at this point what the themes were. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I do try to have something going through it just besides the entertainment of this solving a mystery. Um, I actually have, I have a document that says, what are these books about? And it's it's you know, different from solving a mystery. Like, uh Making room in our lives, reassessing, downsizing, moving forward, Um, forgiving and forgetting. Can we, should we? Uh, Reversals, what happens in between where we were and where we end up. Uh, Loss and resentment, loss and remembrance. The stories we tell ourselves, which, you know, that's, that's, we tell ourselves stories all the time to get our, make our way through our lives, but they're not always true. Uncertainty, how they wear people down, and how people react over time. I, I who knows if that actually shows up in the, in the books, but I, I, I've got those things in the back of my mind when I'm writing things like that.
2: Now, Publishers Weekly said uh, you revel in clever wordplay and banter. Do you feel that language and prose within the story is as important as the plot? I guess so. It's just, that's just the way I tend to think. Sometimes
0: it doesn't work out so well. Um in, in this book, Argyles and Arsenic, at the end of one chapter, after a meeting with a uh, police inspector, Christine, the Scottish character, says, well, I'll, I'll write up the gist of this meeting and send it to the others so that all four of them have it. So then the next morning, beginning of the next chapter, it says the gist that Christine wrote up. And I got a text late last night <laughs> from someone saying, there's a typo in the Kindle. I'm upstairs and I don't have the, the hardback to check to see if it's there too. And it's probably too late anyway, but shouldn't just be list. And I'm thinking, I was just falling asleep. But <laughs> I got up and I checked and no, it really was just, and I thought, boy, that doesn't sound right. But then I thought, wait a second. No, that's because I was picking up on her just on the previous page saying, I'm going to give them the gist. So that's a little bit of wordplay. But if you read that, those two chapters completely separately, it sure sounds like a, like a typo. The gist of what she wrote, the, the gist she wrote up. That just doesn't sound right, but I thought it was fine at the time.
1: Well, what do anybody else know? Come on.
0: it's right. If they just don't put the book down, they'll get it.
1: Yeah. And if they don't yeah. like it, well, they can buy Dave's. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's always always another out there. Um, how do you get into the um, minds of the characters enough to to make them sound realistic? Like, what's the trick for you?
0: Oh, I spend time thinking about who they are, but sometimes I'll interview them as well. Yeah, sit down across from them and ask them a a standard battery of questions, and then just as in an interview like this, you know you listen to what someone has said, and if they give you an answer, you follow up on that. So that's one way of doing it. I hope I'm able to give each of these four women an individual voice. So I've given them life experiences that are separate. You know I've given them backstory that doesn't necessarily show up in the books the The newspaper woman, Summer Jacobs, she spent a year. At Edinburgh University as an exchange student, she had always wanted to get back to Scotland. She was a, a newspaper woman who started out doing hard news stories, ended up working into doing lifestyle things, then um, got interested in cooking and started learning to bake, and now she's the, she's the baker at the, in the tea room that belongs with this tea shop. But she also still does some newspapering with the local paper. But that's different from Tally, who is a a lawyer and a law professor and just tired of that. Tired, tired of students, I guess, and needing something new and slightly creative. I don't know. It's it's just they're people. The the characters are people. So I try to think of them as people. And I'm nosy in real life. So I I always like to know why people tick and, and what their what their childhood is like and what their family is doing so i i I do that with my characters i'm just
1: nosy wasn't that uh, mrs kravitz
0: (laughs) yes yes that's who i am
1: (laughs) yeah looking out the window that's right (laughs) what kind of research goes into this like i know you've mentioned how you have to find out about um you know americans say starting a business and going to scotland or you know creating a life out there and what they have to do and stuff what other things do you find? Do you have to investigate uh, the poisons that you use or, or you know, the methods of murder and policing and all that stuff? Um, mm-hmm. Or do you actually just, I mean, do you actually go out and talk to people or do you research or do you try different poisons on family members and mm-hmm. see see <laughs> see how they react, <laughs> see how much you need, how much you <laughs> see.
2: <Shh>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we won't tell anyone.
1: Yeah.
0: The arsenic research was really fascinating. There's just it's what an what an interesting poison has been used for you know centuries. And one of the cool things I discovered was that so the main character Janet Marsh turns out the guy who invented the first test to so that people would know that arsenic was present and had been used to kill his last name is Marsh. James Marsh, and he was Scottish. So how cool is that? What a what a neat bit of synchronicity! Arsenic was used in ways that just boggle your mind now because they they knew it was poisonous, but it was because it could make such beautiful colors, like green, a beautiful bright green. They used it in all kinds of things. They used it in wool to knit socks. They used it in paper flowers on hats. Uh, they in in fabric for dresses and suits and children's dresses, and they used it in wallpaper. They used it in beer. It ended up in some candy by accident because the confectioner thought he was adding plaster of Paris to help, sp- so he wouldn't have to use so much sugar, which was expensive. He used plaster of paris in his candy but they'd accidentally bought instead of plaster of paris arsenic and they used arsenic in the candy and they sickened over 200 people and killed more than 20 because they wanted that little bit of green in their candy
1: (laughs) dying for chocolate yeah they used they they used it in uh cosmetics too didn't they use it in makeup too or something
0: yeah, yeah, and it's actually used in medicine too, and and used successfully in medicine, and because arsenic is an element you can't get rid of it. So once once it's there, even if you you know if it's in your lumber, your green tinged lumber on your deck, which they don't sell anymore, but some people still have those decks. If you burn that wood, you haven't gotten rid of the arsenic; it's in the ashes. And if a uh, put those ashes in someone's porridge wouldn't look so good but you could you could kill them
1: Mm-mm. well we're getting ideas here yeah. <laughs> I'm taking notes yeah right the, the
0: language has been interesting uh i i have some friends in scotland and i have a, a scottish friend here who and they've, they've helped me get i i know i don't get the vocabulary vocabulary entirely right but that's fun to research too
1: yeah and that's important right because if you do have someone that knows it or knows the area you want it to to be somewhat realistic, yeah. you know, uh, you know, because that it, it, it bothers me if I if I'm seeing something or reading something and it's the wrong wrong language used, so to speak. So that that sometimes will get, capture my attention. So
0: I misspelled cow. Um, they you know they say coo instead of cow, and I misspelled it. I spelled it cu, but it's it would be spelled coo because cu is is also coo, but it's Gallic for dog. So I was like, oh, only one person has pointed that out, but I feel bad.
1: Well, we'll we'll make sure everyone knows this. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And everyone can send you a little message.
0: (laughs) Make it, have them send me a text at about, you know, 1130 at night.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's important. It's important to know. Uh, Well, so where do you get your... um, Inspirations from, and it doesn't just have to be writers. Like, where, what what kind of things do you think um, influence you?
0: Uh, news, the newspaper. So many interesting things in the newspaper. Just talking to people, uh, overheard conversations, misheard conversations, misread newspaper articles or headlines. Just all kinds of things. You just you're walking down the street, you see something strange in a yard or uh, uh, in it, in it, an interesting tool. Um, the murder weapon in one of the Haunted Yarn Shop mysteries was a, I was also a museum director many years ago in Tennessee, and we had a, a hackle, which is a, a tool for straightening out the fibers in flax when you're making linen, and it's like this, this is giant dog brush, you know, with a spike sticking out of it, but it's this great big thing, and what a what a wicked wicked tool that is so that killed someone in my book that was fun
1: <laughs> so you have a lot of fun writing these books at it, it, at the end of a book when you get it into the publisher and it's getting finished and it and then it finally gets published do you think that the process of each book changes you slightly
0: oh i have never thought of that question like like
2: do you
1: think do like you mean- the, well I mean for, for me it seems like each time I complete a book and it's done and I move on to the next one I find that I um I write differently each one kind of takes me somewhere different and and when I start the new project I think I do it slightly different Oh I that think I get be. something I out a... I think I get something out of each book I do so each time I complete a book there's things I learn there's things I I get okay. and then, so when I go on to the new one that I'm a new person so to speak I have some new things about me that are some things that have changed throughout new, that process so yeah and, new like insights to, yeah so I like to look back at that and sort of see at times um, that's my way of hearing voices <laughs>
2: <laughs> David, do you feel that way when you're through? Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe, maybe a little bit. You know, because uh, maybe I view the world a little differently from mm-hmm. uh, from going through that process. You know, I think sometimes when you know when it comes to fiction, when you have a character who has, you know, they kind of has a um, I, I don't know when, when they when they get to the end of the book. Or, or even a short story, they've kind of transformed in some way. And I think that, you know, maybe I transform a little bit with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and especially with the, uh, a mystery, you know, you've got, um, mm.
2: they,
0: they see the, the, the evil that can happen, and they would hope that there can be some kind of restoration of order, or uh, I, I could see maybe becoming, I hope, a little bit. Better myself, knowing that I no, no, I should not use arsenic on something. Yeah, right. or you get
1: better at killing people. Hmm. Right? That's true. I mean, you yeah. get you'll you'll you learn more about it, and you're going to get better at uh, accomplishing.
0: You know what? I keep <laughs> I keeps going through my head though with these things. Is why are you doing that? You're not supposed to kill people. Why? Right? What are you even thinking? So,
1: <laughs> so I don't yeah. know why, why these people keep doing it. Along that same line. Um, do you think the characters, like, you, you know, some of the main characters and how you put yourself into them, do you think that um, maybe it's a way of acting out things that you couldn't do and would like to?
0: In the way of sleuthing, yes, but yeah. not in the way of killing. I really don't want to kill someone. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, yeah, there are some. It, it. Wouldn't it be great to be that brave or to be that smart or, um, uh, I guess.
1: Do, do you like the British mysteries, um, mysteries from the UK and the way they're written uh, better than American mysteries, or do you find them different?
0: It depends on, I, I like them equally, and it, it depends on the author. You know, everyone writes their own. I, I like Ian Rankin's stuff. That's It's great. It's dark owls like MC Beaton who writes the a number of different series. Well, she's dead now, but um, a variety of different series and and sleuths. But I like the American stuff just as well. Yeah, I don't think I have a real preference.
1: Well, and just because she's dead doesn't mean she stops writing.
0: Stuff is still coming out. She was...
1: (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's interesting. So now if someone had never read any of your books before and they're just hearing you now... And, of course, you've got the new book out. But besides that, if there were one book that you were to recommend to them to say, well, listen, read this and you'll kind of get the feel for the kind of writing I do, which one would that be?
0: Wow. Either the, the first in the Island Bookshop series or the first in the Haunted Yarn Shop. Um, they, they just they set everything up and they're, they're slightly different. Because Haunted Yarn Shop is told first person from one person's point of view and, and Kath is very much the, the main character. And then the Highland Bookshop is, is third person and the ensemble cast. If they just wanted to dip into things though, there's a, a, there's a collection of my short stories that were in Hitchcock that, um, mm-hmm. it's called My Troubles, I think. But those things are, they're pretty old by now. So I think my, I think my writing has improved. I don't know. Who knows?
1: Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting process as you go through and slowly and putting through the years like that. Um, um, so now how do you like the new world, especially coming from uh, you know, doing the small bookshop to um, Amazon and all of the big changes that have happened? Are you, are you kind of, Liking social media and and the way publishing is turned, or how do you how do you find it?
0: It's so different, um, you know, from sending in the paper copies and uh, you know, just it goes out there and you don't know what's happening to it. Um, I like some aspects of social media and. Others are just exhausting. You, know, you could you could spend all your time feeling as though you need to have a, a big presence, but I think the the tip that people give is you know you engage as much as you enjoy or have time for, and only on the platforms that you enjoy helps. So I, I a lot of um, cozy and traditional mystery. Readers hang out on Facebook and Instagram. That's mostly where I do anything. And I don't do a whole lot with Instagram, mostly because I forget. (laughs) But, well, and there were for I, I retired from the library in November of 2020. But before that, I was writing full time and working full time. There just wasn't a lot of time for engagement in social media. I do uh, I have a love-hate affair with Amazon. It, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge entity. It, uh, it's like the big box stores that come to little towns and say, they're not going to close the little shops. Well, yes, they are. Of course they are. They're in business. They're in business to make money. They're in business mm-hmm. to be the game. Yeah. It took me, after our bookstore died in 99, it was it was it died the probably about a year and a half after Amazon came online and our little town it's not that little fifty town of fifty thousand but it had no big box stores but that that Amazon came online I think it was in October and right before Christmas every big box store opened Super Super Walmart, Lowe's, Michaels. Um, Home Depot, all of those things. They'd never been there before. And all of a sudden, they were all there, plus Amazon. And there's only so much retail money that you can spend. And so people were happy to see all these things. And all the dollars go other places. Or they'd come into our place, see what books they liked, and then buy them off of Amazon because it was cheaper. And you mm-hmm. can't you can't blame anyone for that. But uh, it took me a long time after the bookshop Closed to uh, go into something like a Barnes and Noble without feeling like, <laughs> and, and to shop on Amazon. But now, you know, I do.
2: Well, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. funny because um, I, I kind of miss, you know, in shopping for books, kind of like that, the thrill of the chase, uh, finding stuff uh, that, you know, poking around. Smaller bookstores and stuff like that, which I used to love to do. Uh, do. Do you feel the same?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have a new little independent bookstore in Champaign. It's fantastic to have something new open up. Mm. And we have a great used bookstore. And we have a Barnes & Noble. They're all, you know, they're. it's good to have them.
1: Absolutely. They all have their place. <laughs> so how do people get a hold of you? Do you have a website? And how do they find you on social media? Under what name do you use?
0: I do have a website. Um, the The tricky part is only just spelling my last name M A C R A E rather than just M C. But uh, on Facebook, it's, yeah, it's under Molly McRae. on 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 Twitter, which is well, it, it's it's I'm Mystery McRae because there were lots of there are lots of Molly McRae's out there. So on Instagram and Twitter, I'm both Mystery McRae, but if you go to my website, which is MollyMcRae.com, com, you can. There's a link to each one of those things that I do.
1: Okay, we'll have that linked up on our site too. So if they forget to spell it correctly or they can't find it, they can go and find it with one click. You know. Um, so how was how was COVID um, for your writing? <laughs> does it sort of did it slow you down somewhat, or does it does it get in the way when you're trying to write? Something like this.
0: To begin with, it was fantastic. I was at the library, and we closed to the public in that March. And I had a deadline in mid-April, and it was the first time I'd made my deadline in a long time because we were closed. I I couldn't go to work. I had to write. We did, I did do work from home, but it was I, I it was fantastic. And then we were the library was made a. Um, essential service. So we, we went back to work. We still weren't open to the public, but we had a wonderful time working without the public and doing curbside deliveries. I loved that. Then the next book was due, and I had COVID. And it was delayed because I had COVID. That was that was miserable. But I got over it. I got better. And I, you know, it could have been much worse. And now uh, I don't think COVID will go into my books. I, I don't think I'll write about that necessarily, but I've had a very lucky time
1: during this pandemic. Can you just set up time and and sit down and write? Are you able to just kind of, well, I'm going to write, you know, between 10 and two today. I have nothing else to do. No one's here. I can sit down and write. Can you just do it? Or do you have to be in a certain mood?
0: No, I do have to sit down and do it. It's it's a job. Um, When I was working full-time and writing, um, I would get up at five in the morning and write until it was time to go to work. I'd work. I work. I, then I'd write over my lunch hour. I got permission to use my work computer for my own personal stuff. So I wrote on my lunch hour. Then I went back to work and I'd come home and I'd make supper and I'd write till it was time to go to bed and I'd do it all over again. Um, and these days I don't keep office hours. I, I keep office words. I, I, I know how many words I need to get done each day optimally to to reach the end of a manu- uh, yeah, end of a manuscript so that I can meet the deadline. So if I get that number of words done in the morning, that's fine. I've got the afternoon free. But more often than not, because I'm slow, it, it takes me most of a work day. But that's okay, too, because I've got my evenings free.
1: Huh. Yeah, it is, a, it is a job. How long does it take you to do one of these books?
0: Oh. Oh, let's see, six, well, it, it depends on when you when you consider starting, but you, know, you start thinking about it and putting together a, an outline and working on the secondary characters, but the actual writing, if I do, say, 750 words a day, well, so if, if manuscript is going to end up being 85,000 words, and they they should be between 80,000 and 85,000, and you do 750 words a day, which some people can do just like that. I can't. Um, It's 113 days. Of course, that's no days off. So I have to build days off in there because things, you know, life just does happen. Sometimes you get COVID.
1: You don't get any days off. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I went for quite a few years with no days off with no no vacation every vacation was a working vacation but i it's what it was my dream so yeah i'm not going to complain
1: so what's next what do you got coming up next after this uh book release here that's it's been out for a bit now so what's what's coming up next
0: i have i'm gonna start a book uh in may for uh, under my pen name um it's a for a continuity series where there are a number of authors writing the books in a series as though one author is doing it, but they each do it under their own name. Uh, they're very, They're short books and quite different. Um, so I've got that and then um, we don't know yet my agent and I don't know yet whether the publisher wants more of the Scottish books. If they do, I've got I've got the title ready for it. Um, otherwise we've, we've got some proposals and we'll see what will happen. It's hard, it's hard to know these days what will happen.
1: Yeah. So you write under a separate pen name as well?
0: I do. I do.
1: <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I always wonder when someone does that, what do you, is there a particular reason or an advantage to it?
0: Because these books are uh, a departure from, you know, you've got your brand. It's a, it's a, a different brand. And, uh, they're also the books are sold through a subscription book club service. So if they're not even you don't even find them usually at a bookstore um, or Amazon. they're uh, hmm. They're what you call super cozies. They're you, you, you can't even have a cat hack up a hairball. I tried that <laughs> and that got taken out.
1: <laughs> so it's extra sensitive. Mystery.
0: Yeah, yeah. You could kill someone, but you can't have a cat hack up a hairball.
1: Well, yeah. That's, you know, <laughs> killing humans doesn't rate the same as a cat uh, no. having a problem coughing. <laughs> the
0: cat was doing it for a reason. He was trying to point out a clue. I thought it was a good idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, geez. Anyway, well, you know, that's how it is. Um, well, You're certainly an interesting person, and you've written some great books. And, of course, the book we were talking about is part of the Highland Bookshop Mystery Series, and it's book five. It's called Argyles and Arsenic, and our guest has been the author of that book and many others, Molly McRae. Well, thank you for being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was nice to meet you, Al. Nice to meet you, David.
2: Thanks, Molly. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino movie reviews.
0: To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to
1: past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it
2: as good for you as it was for me?
0: Well, good night.